Dick-a-dick-a-doo-loo-doo. Did you have tittles? Dick-a-dick-a-doo-loo-doo. You must have tittles. Yeah, here we go. Imagine tittling someone to fucking ferocious down. Stop! Stop it! Um, look, we're getting silly up in here, okay? Did I stammer? We're getting silly. Because uh, I'm recording this one late, as per. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, vice principal, let me fucking have it again, right? Me parents are divorced. Um, <laughs> we're getting a bit silly up in here. All right. Um, because we're doing. I'm recording this one late. I'm recording this one late. Last minute, fucking Larry on show. Recording this one late. Um, so you can call this uh, an episode of TC After Dark. Is that a tree or bark? TC after dark. We're going two by two on the animal arc. It's TC after dark. What else from the dark? Dark. <laughs> no, we'd have that one. Uh, I had to phone in sick, so I couldn't go to work. It's TC after dark. Uh, that's work is one. Uh, okay. Uh, um. Is that a blue whale or the fin of a shark? It's TC after dark. So TC after dark. It's late. I'm being silly. Okay. Silly man on show. Did I ever tell you? Oh, no. It's an horrible story. Whenever I hear silly man or anyone say, oh, this is a silly man. It reminds me of innocently, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm making light of this now. Uh, fucking a bit. Yeah, hang on. I'm not laughing at the subject matter, but I'm, I'm laughing at the innocence of me and my mate Joe. Basically, we went on to LimeWire, and LimeWire, I remember, was quicker. It was like your Napster, right? This is like early, couldn't have been more than 2000, it would have been 2001, 2002. And uh, we went on LimeWire. And LimeWire was when you had a bit of a better internet connection than Napster. Napster, you'd be like, I just want to listen to Freak on a Leash. Why is it taking six weeks? You know, it took ages to download on. LimeWire was a bit quicker. You could download, not a full movie, but little clips or whatever, porn, you know. But it was really fucking, you know, it was really like gambler's choice. Do you know what I mean? Real gamble, you know, on what you'd see. Um, some stuff would be like, why is he, how, you know, like vanilla porn. I'm not getting into that. Right? I'm talking about one thing at a time, right? Um, so I remember we were like, we're just fucking bored. We'll type in silly man and see what we get from silly man. Um, and we watched, we downloaded this thing. It was, it was like, you know, 20 minutes long. And it was the video of that disgraced U.S. politician Bud Dwyer, um, who famously uh, shot himself while giving a press conference after having to. I think he was embezzling some money. I don't know the full story, but he was like a disgraced politician, um, and he was like handing out envelopes, which was like his suicide letter and his last will and testament. And he was going to shoot himself so that his family and his widow could get his widow, the widow's pension, because it was his last day. Um, and literally, he takes out. He takes out the envelope and has a gun. Anyway, just like us typing in, like, you know, 15. Like, so I wonder what we can see from Silly Man. Like, what were we expecting, to be perfectly honest? You know, I'm the si- This is brilliant. I'm the Silly Man. I'm the Silly Man. Say, you got to stay in school or the rest is okay. You know, I don't know. So, what else? What, what do you fucking expect? This is brilliant. It's peanut butter, Silly Man. Peanut butter, Silly Man. You know. But it wasn't that. It was horrible. And then we re-edited it um, with a 
with the song Creep. We put the song Creep by Radiohead. You know, we're just mess- you're just messing around with stuff. You're just like, I'm fucking toying with that, you know. It's just like, I have experienced something, I don't know how to handle it, so I'm laughing at it, and it's not real, and I'm just like, blah, 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 you know, just toying with it. Anyway, I'm a real silly man today, and I'll tell you why. I got two glasses of wine. Okay. <laughs> you can call me a bloody bundle of string here, because I got twine. Twines. <laughs> hey, bundle. Uh, yeah, I say the same thing again. They call me a bundle of string, because I got two wines. Twines. Because uh, I poured myself one glass of wine and I poured one for Terry, and she was like, "I probably shouldn't drink this because uh, I'm breastfeeding your son." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> give it to Daddy." Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I'm going to going to do my work. Yum, 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 yum. You know what I mean? Drinking the natty wine, guys. Don't talk to me. Don't, I can't even mess with the grease anymore, bro. Um, I had a very bougie Father's Day because uh, you know what else? You fucking I haven't been out in fucking three months. Do you know what I mean? I've been out in three months. Um, so, you know, it's like, as I said before, going to a shop. How can I spend 80 euro, please? Excuse me, Buchel. Will you? I have this many. Can you get me wines? You know? And um, and so, you know, everyone's on everyone's on, everyone's on the natural wines. The natural wines, right? They're fucking mad colors. You got oranges wine. You got purple wines and stuff, right? You know, you got fucking action bronson drinking all the fucking loose cannon wine you know fuck that's delicious give me the wine give me some give me some it's gonna fucking blow my mind oh my god it's a crepe or a a grape you know anyway i'm on the natty wines and i've just it's a fucking con it's all a con it's all a con look all we're trying to do and this is all we're trying to do and this is my my biggest goal in life is how to get back to the shed with a bag of cans. That's all I want to do. I just want to go back there. And I seem to just be applying this fucking life tax to myself. To spend as much money as I possibly can. To do it. It started off just scrimping away. Uh, whatever booze you could find in the gaff. That your parents wouldn't notice. And then it was like. How do I save up for a fiver. For a five for six Dutch gold. How do I save up for eight euro. For a nagging or a shoulder. And then maybe ten euro for a bottle of wine. If I'm trying to be fancy. And now I'm going out. I'm spending twenty quid. When I could be doing the same thing for a fiver. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> like we did used to. Do you know what I mean? We did used to. Same chat. Same group of friends. Which I love. By the way. Which I love. Wouldn't change it for the world. Okay. Um, but it seems like every year. It's like. Okay. Well look. We might be hanging out with the exact same people. We might be having the exact same conversations. But at least we're paying more for that. You know. At least we get to pay a little bit more for that. So um, we're up on the year previous. Hey, is this uh, Tony Cantwell after dark or Tony Cantwell on de- uh, Tony Cantwell unclawed? Well, that's no, that's when you take away the claw. Defanged. <laughs> Tony Cantwell defanged, spitting all the the hot goss truths for all the millennials out there. And don't even talk to me about drugs. Anyway, so listen, um, this episode, this episode is all about the future. Charles, I don't want your future. Remember James McAvoy overselling it as a as Xavier, as the original the original Xavier. Well, not as you know, as the young Xavier. Doesn't doesn't light a candle for old Patrick. I can see your belly, Stuart. Um, but look, uh, this is all about the future. I am going to be talking about the future as told by the mystics through the art of tarot. Tarot. I had my tarot read. And I asked the mystics, Aaron McGathy, pal of mine, tarot reader to the stars, 
um, about my career, about my self-centeredness, about my my creative output as an artist in the past, the present, and the future. Honestly, that's what happened. And we, I, we, I mean, I'd love to say, oh, you know, I just, I, and I, love, I just let her have it. I just fucking, Cantwell goes off on new age mysticism. But no, I believe it. I buy into that shit. Honestly, I believe fucking anything. Terry always says I'll be the first person to be taken away uh, in a cult. And dead right. I mean, you know, like I, I, in some ways, I even kind kind of get, you know, Scientology, the whole removing bad vibes, and you know, but you know, I, I know, I know they'd fucking nab me, and I know how fucking horrible it is, you know. But yeah, I could see myself there, you know. If they give me the Tom Cruise treatment, down, 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 down. When you're a Scientologist and you see a car accident, you realize you're the only person who can help. Down, 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 down. Watch that video if you haven't seen that. Anyway, I'm talking about the future. Through the through the lens of the tarot, the mysticism of the cards, uh, as well as Kumal Heshin, um, uh Sylvester Stallone's 1993 classic, Demolition Man. So you have that uh, to look forward to as well. And as well as that, maybe a few open, honest words about the weekend. Over the weekend, it was kicking off on social media, and rightfully so, and I want to talk about it. At least a little bit from my personal experience. So listen, all of that and a little bit more on Tony Cantwell's Shit Show. It's Tony Cantwell's Shit Show. And I know you, you know me We go together, sweetheart, like ecstasy I double drop and drop my trowel And I shit on the floor and I take a bow And mm, TC after dark Boom Right, that's that um, So, listen Guys I mean, we almost did it I mean, yeah, of course, there's going to be a fucking spike There's going to be another spike It's going to be bloody Buffy season 2 here With a bloody spike in it You know what I mean? Buffy season I'm watching Buffy. Um, but we've almost done it. You know, I know I'm aging these podcasts tremendously by bringing up the coronavirus. You know, I, I can't even fathom. There's probably early ones who are like, oh, bloody coronavirus is mad, isn't it? What are they? Sleep all day, we drink all night. You know, all that, all that fucking patter that has aged so well. Um, but um, we're almost through. I mean, remember how scary it was? I actually, I, I have a jar of, di- or a, a tin of Del Monte fruit salad that I bought, you know, the day that Antishik, um was giving his first address, right? Um, and, like, I bought a fucking tin of fruit salad, like, like proper uh, prepper, like apocalypse prepper shit is getting a, a, a jar or a tin, rather, uh, of Del Monte. And I'm going to keep it, I think. I'm going to keep it and I'll, you know, as a memento for for my son. Because, like, what was I thinking? Like, genuinely, it was like, if we go through everything and there is physically no way. Like, I've never had that thought before. If there is no way of getting any other food, at least we have this. And with the syrups and everything and the sugars, you know, it should last us the day, you know. Or a week, probably, in some cases. Um, it's a big old jar in Del Monte. But imagine that. I was literally picturing worst case scenario, me, my wife, and my son huddled around a dumpster fire, scraping uh, grapes and guzzling syrup out of a tin. Right? 
Worst case scenario, everyone else is dead. And I don't. I very seldom have thoughts like that. But there was a day when I was like, just in case everyone dies and there's no other food, I'm going to get a tin of Del Monte. And that's not, look, it's a great fruit salad. It's a great fruit salad. You know, I'm not saying, I'd have to be dead and there'd have to be nothing else for me to eat that shit. I'm not saying that. Do you know what I mean? It's just you don't go buying apocalypse food like that unless you think there's going to be an apocalypse. And for a little while I did, you know. Um, and I don't visualize. I don't. I never go to those kind of extremes ever, right? I'm a very, I'm a very. Everything will be fine. Which also, do you know what? I'm not having to go. But you can't get away with saying that anymore. It'll be fine. Stop worrying, right? Saying stop worrying now is fucking. You know, you can't. Terry hates it. Terry hates when I say don't worry about it. I'm like, don't fucking give me the don't worry about it. You know. I'm not gonna lie. It took me a while. It took me a while to stop. To stop. To, to, to lose the it'll be fine, you know. Because when I'm saying it'll be fine, I'm kind of like, I don't want to fucking talk about this anymore. I don't want to worry anymore. I don't want to hear you worrying anymore. I don't want to hear your concerns because it's going to make me feel like I have to do a job. So don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know what I mean? And I have this fucking, and it's not even like my, certainly my dad. My stepdad wouldn't talk like that. It'll be fine. Leave it. That'll be that's the end of it. It'll be fine. But I kind of feel like there's this dormant thing in my this kind of dormant fucking recessive gene of of being a man and seeing movies. You know that there's a kind of like I don't know where it comes from. It could come from all movies. It could come from fucking action movies. It could come from hey, don't worry about it. Hey, forget about it, sweetheart. I'm like, that's not how people, fucking people talk. You respect someone's emotions. You, you want to hear their opinion. Certainly you can say, um, we've been through this a situation like this before, and it's been fine. I'm assuming it's going to be the same, and I think we'll be fine. Uh, look, I totally understand why you're worrying. I totally respect that. But there's things, but look, if there's something we can't control, you know, we're just going to work ourselves up into a mental... No, you don't fucking say that. That's fucking... You don't fucking ever mention anyone's getting themselves worked up. You don't fucking ever do that. But you know what I mean? There's a respectful way of saying, we've been through a situation like this before, it'll be fine, or the likelihood is, this'll be fine. Or statistically, you know, rather, don't worry about it. Shut up. You know, it's not how you communicate with people. What am I saying? Yeah, uh, Del Monte. I got a ten of Del Monte, you know, and I very seldom have a doomsday or any kind of visualization that something really bad is going to happen. Like, I know when people aren't around or don't call me back, I don't have the fear that someone's dead. I don't go down that route. I know people that do. And I know it's not easy, you know? I know it's not easy. You just have these kind of... You just have these habits. You have these habits. You have these brain waves that are kind of flexed more than the others where fucking neurons or whatever fire I don't know how a brain works but you know what I mean you have parts of the brain that flex and have out of habit flexed more and it's a bad habit to break is to be petrified when you don't hear back about someone for some people you know um but I had a very rare visualization of me and my family sitting around around a fucking dumpster fire eating a big fucking uh tin of canned fruit and I think you manifest those kind of things you know you start seeing patterns. You have that visualization. You're like, oh, well, that looks like that. That looks like that thing in my head. Oh, it's funny. Leo said that about it not being two months because that kind of goes hand in hand with the rough vision I had in my head of the dumpster fire where it had been, you know, a couple of months since the apocalypse. You know? And you start linking these things. Very... Sorry, fucking... One, one of my wine glasses is empty. 
it's reminding me to fill it up. Um, but it kind of goes hand in hand with the tarot thing. Look, I don't believe for a second that tarot, tarot, you can't say that. Well, you can't say it like that. I don't believe that the tarot thing is uh, predicting the future. I don't think it's predicting the past. I don't think it's predicting the present. I just like, I like having a, a, a picture story. Because I think the fucking horoscopes, I get your horoscopes, right? And I've talked about this before when I was high as a fucking kite in the 420 episode, right? The horoscopes. That maybe somehow where you're born, the planets are in, are in alignment, that there is some sort of crazy gravitational pull on our DNA. And that's why Librans are like Librans or something like that. I don't fucking know. I haven't looked into it and I will not. <clears throat> but what I like about tarot, tarot is that um, you're essentially given a custom, you know, I don't know the odds of getting three cards. It's in the millions, you know. Uh, you know, so a kind of completely randomized one in a million symbolic point of focus for whatever question you ask it. And it makes you ask, because of the symbol, very enticing, interesting questions. Like, it could be anything. Erin even talks about this uh, in the chat. She says, you know, it's literally like walking into, you know, a garden center, spinning around, pointing your fo- your finger out, and then saying, shovel, I'm in debt, I need to dig myself out of debt. You know, literally finding images. But it's not about anything predicting anything. So I kind of conned you there talking about the future. It's not about predicting anything. It's kind of how you are allowing anything to reflect your current state or your future state or just asking enticing questions. If you pulled a card and it said a bin, you could be like, right, well, that means clearly that there is some baggage I need to fucking let go of and discard. What am I currently holding on to that I need to let go of? Or what is there potentially that I have thrown out that I realize was an integral part of myself, my career, my family, my demeanor, whatever it is. It's just a fucking bin. Just a bin. It means stop being a fucking wee. Um, a pig, right? Where am I being greedy? Or where am I being really intelligent? Where are there aspects that I think could improve my intelligence? Whatever it is, you just pick this thing. But this is an old, ancient tradition. And you have to kind of respect. And you don't have to believe. But look, that's just what I like about it. I do not believe that the cards know anything. Well, no, that's not fair. I don't believe that the cards are necessarily getting the direct insight, you know, of your past or present or future or whatever aspect you're looking at. But I do believe that taking an analysis of the cards, believing the cards will shape what happens or shape your perspective of what came before, which essentially is warping time and changing the world and manifesting whatever it is you visualize in your own head if you want to get fucking deep i read the secret all right jesus christ and this is a chat erin is erin is quite disarming in her chat she just always asks questions like how does that make you feel and why did you say that or what makes you say that and then you end up going a fucking tangent so you know this isn't me this is this is a fairly gary free earnest chat fairly spacer chat about you know all the things i'm into manifesting the image of yourself from your mind, from inside out, uh, being a conduit for uh, the flow of something greater than you. I'm not talking about God, but you can view it that way if you want. You know, proper war of art, Stephen Pressfield stuff, if you've ever read that. He makes the thing in it, he makes the point that 
if you ever look at Bob Dylan and John Lennon, whenever they have to give interviews about their music or where it came from, they literally like fucking check out. And they're like, don't be asking me stupid questions like that. That's like trying to, how do I understand this? All I know is that I'm a conduit for it. Don't ask me what she loves you is about. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't come from me, you know? When you get to a level where you totally allow your brain to tune into that frequency, and when you put in the hours enough to be able to master the instrument in which to actually get it out there, then you start dreaming songs like yesterday in your mind and think they've already existed, right? That's just what happens. Don't ask me about it. So we talk about that sort of shit as well. Well, that sort of shit that I love. Um, And yeah, Aaron's a good pal. It's a very disarming chap. I went in there thinking, right, she's, you know, a comedian, very funny improviser and sketch comedian. Uh, uh, You know, I'm going to go in there. We're probably going to just fucking laugh this whole thing off. And it ends up just a very kind of earnest chat. So if you're into that, great. If you're not, you can skip ahead 30 minutes for demolition, man. Anyway, wait. Okay, I have with me my tarot reader today, a very special guest and very good pal. She's an artist, she's a writer, a comedian whose credits include Community, Drunk History, the D&D show Harmon Quest. She's also the co-founder and creative director of Dublin's premier sketch and improv theatre school, Mob Theatre Dublin, the very cool Erin McGathy. Thanks very much, Erin. Hello, thank you so much for having me. This is a new format for me speaking to someone else, but I have still been able to frame it about me in that I've enlisted an, an A-star, a five-star guest to talk about me, which is yes. ideal for me. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, yeah, I feel very honored to be brought on in this capacity. As I've told you off mic, uh, there'd be many better choices for a tarot reading. And sure. I've never done a tarot reading for anyone else. Well, this is very exciting, right? Because I feel like when I first met you, we kind of bonded over kind of being, you know, I'll, I'll say I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a spacer. I'm a bit of a like, you know, I, <laughs> sure, yeah, you know, yeah. I try and recognize signs in things only when they're positive, mm-hmm. you know, coincidences. I all feel they're in line with some sort of message that I cannot read. Would you kind of be a similar, similar vibe-ish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm constantly looking for uh for ways to frame my flaws and um, anything good or bad that happens to me. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm into, I'm into all of that stuff. But I think you and I share a similar quality where it's like, ah, yes, I've gotten the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, a, and I find it's as well, like it's this kind of the, the new agey side of tarot that I'm interested in. Like uh, it also would go hand in hand with like getting a productivity journal <laughs> or like, you know, <laughs> These 50 kitchen hacks that you can do, uh, for me at least. So Aaron, you're, <laughs> you, do you do tarot on your own? I do. I, um, I was, my, my best friend, uh, River Hall, is, is very good at tarot and um, teaches breath work and uh, does astrology readings and is incredibly talented in this area. So everything that I know, I very much gleam from them. And if you want real tarot advice, you should check out the Woo Moon Instagram because I think like I am, I am a, I I would call myself an intuitive, uh, empathetic person. Mm -hmm. And I do enjoy when I'm uh, intoxicated telling people what I think they should do. (laughs) So So when you have the cards to reinforce that, like, well, these three cups definitely mean you should break up with the guy. 
<laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I've never, I've never uh, uh, thought about how, how to use my powers for evil. But I guess like now that I have the the props of the cards, mm-hmm. they'll be good. Um, we'll we'll do we'll do your your spread. We'll do a we'll do a spread. Um, and a lot of it is your own interpretation. But I'm going to I'm going to try and infer as much as possible, just as Great. an exercise. Yeah. Great. Um, perfect. Well, look, I'm, I mean, what, what, what are the best things? So how, how, do you, how do we go about doing it? What, what are the best things to ask, you know, a tarot? I mean, I have some questions. Well, mind, number but... one, how am I going to die? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> when? When? With what? And yeah. it turns out I'll be, uh, I'll be hanging upside down and there'll be three cups below me. So that's... <laughs> 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 literal read like the literal <laughs> that would be a funny character someone who's just literally <laughs> looking at the cards and is like well uh it looks like you are uh eight upside down cups uh you're thirsty you're you're very <laughs> mm-hmm. thirsty okay dehydration mm-hmm. is upside down you're gonna die of dehydration yeah. <laughs> i mean i so uh as i was saying this is my first time doing this for somebody else but the way that i use them is I will usually do what's called a three card spread. So you can either choose one card, which I've done before, um, especially like if I'm away doing something, like if I'm in Edinburgh doing a show, I'll pick one card every day and I will uh, think about my interpretation of that card and like the the classic tarot interpretations and I'll let that um, I'll use that as a way to gauge how I'm feeling and what feelings I might be repressing and uh, all that stuff. And it's a good, it's just a, like, it'd be the same. It's not exactly the same as this, but it'd be kind of the same <laughs> as if you were to go to like a gardening sh- store and walk around and like randomly point to like shovel <laughs> and be like, okay. I pointed to a shovel. What does that mean? You know what? Yeah. I I think like I need to start saving money because I'm like really deep in debt. Like oh, very way. good. Yeah. yeah, I love. I no, love you're welcome. That. I call that spinny tarot. <laughs> spinny pointy tarot. Yeah, and only <laughs> works in garden centers. Uh, yes. But 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 I love that. Like I I feel like regardless of whether this is kind of inferring some kind of knowledge from a different realm or consciousness, I think. Mm. The, I do personally think that the narrative that you tell yourself and the story you tell yourself is the most powerful thing. Look, I've read this secret. Totally. Okay. Uh, oh no. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about secret. But I feel like obviously, what however you see yourself, however you see your life going, is kind of what is going to shape it the most part. So, you know, totally. I suppose you trying to derive the best and most positive, you know, interpretation of the cards is going to lead to you doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I spoke over you, but like, what what sort of questions are you interested in um i suppose at the the, what came to mind first was kind of my relationships because i had this kind of Mm. (laughs) you know now that now with my little baby you know i've more to lose with me being so self-obsessed you know Mm. so i'm conscious (laughs) now how do you how do you mean elaborate on that um like you know I like with Terry, I, I can, I, I might come home of an evening and then just 
realize it's seven o'clock and I'm still talking about myself and something that I did. Mm. You know, I'm always like, do you think this is a good idea about, you know, I find it difficult because I'm my own thing, my own brand. I find it difficult to kind of switch <laughs> off where that, you laughing at me saying I'm my, I'm my own brand? Yeah, obviously. I... <laughs> yeah, okay. But because I'm my own thing, you know, because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the company, like I'm, so I find it yeah. difficult to stop thinking about myself. And I, I don't, that, and I, you know, that is something that I, I, you know, I want to stop and I want to, not, uh, at the moment it isn't at the expense of my family, but I can, you know, I mean, I said, as a, I kind of started this as a jokey way and you've this, you have this, obviously this way of doing things where like you literally just asked one question and now I'm pouring my heart out to you here, which is, <laughs> which you have this ability to do. Have you, have you ever tried, like if the story you're telling yourself is that, and you haven't asked me to give you advice, but I'm just going to, um, <laughs> like if, if the story that you're telling yourself and reaffirming all the time is, is that you're self-obsessed and is that you have trouble balancing your work life, which is so, where the, where the lines are so blurry, where like work and your own person are, are so intertwined. Have you ever tried like, it's like, every time that you say aloud or say to yourself or say to other people like, oh, well, I'm really self-obsessed. You are mm. telling yourself that you are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You no, can it's very good point. Like... It is a very good point. Because <laughs> I even found myself in my podcast saying, because I'm because I'm finding myself in a in a in a more broadcast position, I feel like I, mm. I wouldn't this isn't this isn't me just bullshitting, you know, in the pub with my friends. So when I say something, I have to it has to kind of be reinforced. So to kind of cover up for that, I found myself in my podcast even saying, well, look, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm a bit dumb. Right. I'm not. Mm. dumb, And I have and I've checked right. that. I've checked that at the door, you know, and I've oh, checked, you know, you know, I'm, you know, like. <laughs> You know, like I haven't gone out for exercise in a couple of weeks and, you know, I've been eating bad, you know, and I'm saying I'm I found myself saying, oh, I'm a bit I'm pudgy or something like that. Or I'm, you know, mm. and I've, che I've checked that. I have not checked me calling myself self-obsessed. I mean, I know it's I, it's tough and I'm not making a joke here, but it is it is part of your brand, I suppose. But I don't think like I think self-obsessed is kind of the the shadow version of that. I think it's yeah. more like you are self-fascinated, but I think there's a way oh, I'll to... I'll take that. I'll tell Terry yeah. and my son that. <laughs> Dad can't come home. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I When I was starting out, I had a whole thing where I just, I would refer to myself as a mess all the time. I was just like, ah, oh, well, I'm just such a, mm. such a messy slur. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't say it like that. Um, but that was, that was my thing where I was like, ah, oh, I like, you know, I'm just so like, I just fall in love right away and mm. I will, um, sleep with people I shouldn't and all this stuff, which wasn't like, it was less true at the beginning than it was like a year into it where I was like, wait, I'm like fully becoming this mm. person of it. And then I just, like, like you're saying, like, just kind of like left that behind and I was like oh, I'm not actually like mm -hmm. a mess you're dead right I'm saying with incredibly messy hair ah they can't see that yeah <laughs> so you said that you're interested in relationships yeah so maybe it'd be interesting to do a three card spread um where we are asking the deck um perhaps something that you should be 
taking a closer look at in yeah. like different relationship realms? Um, I suppose <laughs> I don't want to spill all the beans about my relationships, you know. I oh, suppose, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, on maybe on the pod, maybe maybe I maybe I can be, maybe this can be self fascinated then in terms of my brand, Aaron. Right. Mm. So can I ask maybe about my career, uh, you know, in terms of my, sure. my, my career, um, because at the moment I've funnily, you know, I'm kind of with say this podcast and the fact that there's a Patreon for it, it has entirely kind of changed my perspective and kind of quelled to a massive degree, my ego when it comes to things. Cause I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm looking, I'm looking at like, I know there's people doing RTE shows getting paid maybe 200 quid to be on RTE, but they're like, hey, look at me, I'm on RTE, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I know that they can't, there's people who are on TV that can't make a living, you know, and I get to make a living doing this, literally sitting here talking to you, you know, about tarot. So that has changed my perspective on rather than my day to day life and what that looks like in terms of creating. And mm. rather than actually just being somewhere where there's a spotlight on me, I don't care how it is, but as long as more people can see me, that's kind of begin to fade. But that was kind of where a lot of the goals would have lied. I'm like, I want to do a Hollywood mm. film, you know? I'm like, but why? <laughs> but why? And it's not within my wheelhouse, but I'm like, yeah. just because I see what is the biggest and kind of, you know, where, where, is, where are people getting the most kudos and attention? So that has changed with doing the podcast and having the baby where I'm like, why do I actually want my day-to-day okay. happiness to, to be so could... you're, you're prescribing to that brilliant uh thousand true fans oh philosophy. yeah um well in that case like why don't we do a past present future spread love it and we'll ask the deck um like the first card will represent your relationship with your brand in the past <laughs> and which I think, like, brand is the most uh, kind of like. I know it's a blanket term. Word. You know, I know, and I'm sorry. You know, I know, but I still should say, you know, I shouldn't be throwing that around. I shouldn't be fucking throwing around that word brand. Should we? I mean, like your your art that you make is as yourself, but through like a curated version of yourself, not like a false version sure. of yourself. Um, how about just like for what you're putting out into the world? Yes. Is yeah. That okay. Yeah. Okay, so the first one will be how you are representing, how you represented yourself in the past, Mm -hmm. and then the second will be the present, and Mm -hmm. then the third will be what the deck thinks you should focus on for the future. Oh, love it. Cool. So this will be interesting because we're over Zoom, but I guess we'll, so for the first card, just tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Cool. And for the second card. Stop. Great. And third card. No. Cool. <laughs> cool. Exciting. And I also, also I, I reshuffled, I reshuffled the cards while uh, thinking about you before our Zoom call. So they're all, they're all, all they're all buzzing. <laughs> Like uh, like the little green bits in James and the Giant Peach. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh no. I'm flipping these over now. Oh no. <laughs> Whew. No, don't do that to me. <laughs> Look, call Terry. <laughs> call Terry and record a video for your, for your son on his 18th birthday. 
need you to continue on the brand, son. <laughs> um, great. So for the past, uh, we have a daughter of pentacles, which is I'm using the wild unknown tarot, which is my favorite mm-hmm. tarot deck. And the daughter of pentacles is represented by a deer oh, wow. with pentacles uh, above her head. And there's a rainbow in the background. Oh my and God. Second card, four of pentacles, um, which is right here, which is interesting. Like I've never, I've had this deck for two years and I don't think I've ever drawn a pentacle card. Wow. Yeah. And then third is mother of cups, which I've drawn uh, a whole, a whole bunch. And that's a lovely swan, kind of a swan. Oh yes, Sorry. Yes. It's a, yeah, it's a swan that looks like she's kind of uh, blessing the cups is kind of how that how that looks. And then the four of pentacles is like four pentacles with the kind of Tron like energy (laughs) flowing between them. Okay. Um, Oh, Shia. Stop it. Okay. Stop it. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, Tony. Okay. (laughs) So thrilled. All right. Can you, can you remind me again, just reframe, what we've kind of asked and what this is kind of giving us a, 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 an interpretation of. Totally. Oh my God, this is unreal. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tony. So very excited about this. So right. we, three cards spread. The first mm-hmm. question uh, was about your, your artistic output and, and your brand in the past. Sure. And what, what that may have been. And the second card, uh, was about what it is in the present, mm-hmm. and the third card uh, we asked the the deck what what should we maybe focus on for the future? Right. So uh, the first card, um, your 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 past uh, your past projection of yourself, and like maybe also like the the deck is saying what you can learn from this, perhaps. Right. So. Daughter of Pentacles is all about the earth and the material realm. And the Daughter of Pentacles card is represented uh, in this deck um, by a fawn. And the Daughter of Pentacles is just trying to make do with what's available and is very optimistic about learning new things and interested in the world and interested in being really um uh really resourceful and uh using using what they have to get things done however there's a dark side to that that's like a a, an insecurity to not having enough skills for the thing that you're very interesting yeah Mm -hmm. um but the, the the card the card speaks to like the kind of, which is interesting in this read in particular, but like speaks to the beginning of a, of a, of a journey where like you're doing the best you can and you're, you are gaining all these very useful um, experiences that like, if this was in, if this was like the future card, what it would be telling you would be to, um, to like take ownership for what you've done. So maybe the, the the meaning could also be interpreted as you had uh, you were so resourceful and got all these things done, but didn't necessarily 
take ownership within yourself for the accomplishment that that is. That's resonating. Oh, I'm thinking you could have probably said anything and it was resonating, but that is resonating so strong with me, Erin. <laughs> that is resonating so strong with me. Is it? Does it? Yeah, and I'll tell you how. It, uh, an example would be, and I don't want to frame everything back to this podcast, but, uh, it, you know, I was always just messing with things and making dumb things. And it always just kind of being, uh, it w- I never kind of, wa- I never felt, I, I always wanted to be the person who did things. But I was Mm. doing things and didn't accept the fact that I actually was a person who was doing those things. It was always, no, that's what that person does. And I don't do that. Right. What I'm doing is just a bit of a mess. Mm. So that's very very interesting now. All right. uh, The second card, um, your yourself in the present. um, And this is interesting and maybe we'll offer some guidance in a way if you want it um but this card in this card um it speaks to trying very hard to preserve cling on to what you have and being a little afraid to change or like open outside of what you have and to relinquish control Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's (laughs) All right, go try and be with stone faced here. I'm going to pretend like it's a <laughs> poker game and just, okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the, it's, the, this card, this card is all about um, like structures, stability, control. So like in this, in this card, we have the four, the four pentacles who are all in this kind of formation and the, like the card could be seen as a negative. I mean, any tarot card could really be seen as a negative card or a positive card, but I don't really, I don't really see it that way. Most, most people don't. Um, the card is perhaps saying, or like encouraging you um, to reconsider clinging, controlling, or possessing things that are ultimately unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's saying also like the, the positive part of that is that like the energy that it, the energy that it takes to maybe control things and keep things within your control, um, you could be using for liberation and other things. Like, it's like, there's all this power here and it's trying to tell you, you are using a lot of that power to maintain a status quo that you don't necessarily need to maintain that is great but like there are even better things coming yeah okay so how does that yeah that does that does resonate i mean i i i i find the first thing that that resonated to me was um me um me uh, you know maybe not being as collaborative as collaborative as i probably would mm. as, as 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 i probably know that, that resonates I should. with me yeah <laughs> <laughs> What about me? Yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, but like totally, you know. Like I, I, I definitely think that, um, like, as much as I would tell other people that you know there is not a finite resource on on your artistic output, like it isn't like a jar mm. that is running low. Um, you know, I and I would feel that, and yet I 
would feel that uh, when whenever it's um, sometimes when it comes to again a collaboration I'm like well you're not having fucking my jar <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. but I don't believe there's a jar but it's only when it's kind of forced to like right. you know yeah you know. yeah well and reminding yourself that um there is no scarcity of these things totally and there's you know I mean this is not what you're talking about but it but it's it, like feels kind of similar to when you see like a really great show that seems like something that you would have maybe written and then it's like well great <laughs> but it's like there's no yeah <laughs> there like there is enough to go around and there's also enough to go around within yourself mm. like there's you can you can always dig deeper and and i think like especially now as you have in the last two years and in the last month especially gone through this massive life change where you're entering a new era like there's going to be like may maybe something to take from it would be that um if you if you spend all the energy to kind of cling to the certain things that you think work that you think you have to be then there won't be room to grow and evolve and like get where you want to be no totally totally and i think um and i think that i just think i need to turn the tap on leave it on you know <laughs> and then use that to do the things that i'm going to do which isn't going to stop me doing the things that i'm going to do and let it also yeah. kind of you know be able to kind of you know that's a fucking real fucking <laughs> but... <laughs> i think that's true i mean like and the thing with like the like in a way where it's like you're if you share like a true part of yourself there's going to be someone else out there who that resonates with. Mm. And the more you give, the more you get. No, totally. You I mean, get I'm, what you give. Make it, make it into something yeah. good. Yeah, look, it resonates. That's, that yeah. resonates with me. Resonates with me. Yeah, and I think like also troll. like separate, and I know it's hard, especially because of your your work, but the best thing you can do for yourself is separate your output from your ego. They're not the same thing. The things you make are not you. Mm -hmm. And then also separate that from other people. Like mm -hmm. if someone hasn't been working in a long time, that doesn't mean that they're not as good of a person. If someone does have a TV show, that doesn't make them a better person. Like these things are not actually the same. You're okay. dead right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, this third card I'm, so excited for and this like as your as your friend because you know me this is gonna seem like I just planted it and I'm trying to <laughs> tell you okay. something I think but not really um so third card mother of cups and the question was how should you approach the future and your creative output and um you do the mother of cups which again is the swan over the cup um and uh, the Mother of Cups is also called the Queen of Cups. If you're listening at home and you're like, what is Mother of Cups? Um, so the Mother of Cups and Queen of Cups uh, is, is a card that is, uh, is about being tuned into your own feelings and emotions and being extremely empathetic. Like the Mother of Cups, the idea of the Mother of Cups is that she is uh, highly attuned with her own emotions and the emotions of others and is living in a very heart-centered way with kindness kind of ruling 
everything. Um, but she's not naive. Uh, there are other cups that have this kind of same sort of emotional thing, but um, she is able to tap into her empathy and emotional sensitivity while still being centered and maintaining boundaries. So when you draw this card in a reading, it's asking you to um, tap into your, your empathetic traits and to tap into your emotional uh, sensitivity and to, uh, it's meant to remind you of your, a reminder to tune into your own feeling states as well as the feeling states of others mm. um, and to trust your intuition and to integrate like empathy and kindness into into what you're doing so seeing as we ask the deck like how should you approach things mm. in the future um and i think i think this is interesting for you because i think that i think you you are a very uh kind and empathetic person um but i wonder like how how does that how does that sit with you when you're thinking about like your, your work? That would resonate with me because I often, I found doing this podcast a lot of the time. Cause I, you know, I didn't say it on the podcast a lot. Like I have an alter ego in my head where the voice that kind of tells me to stop the voice is like, why are you talking about that? Tony, shut the fuck up. I've named Gary, you know, like Brezzy. I stole yeah, Brezzy's yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have that. And that's the voice that would flare up whenever I may be speaking kind of speaking in earnest about something mm. you know um and even when it's me speaking empathetically about something you know because you feel like you're not allowed to talk about it yeah or... yeah mm. it would probably go hand in hand with the kind of you know I'm not an expert like the thing is I I love I love talking about dumb stuff and I know that my my wheelhouse is half reading Wikipedia and half reading tweets but there's an interpretation still of information from that place of you course, know yeah listening to an audible book you know once every couple of months you know um but that would kind of feel like i'm not i'm not kind of on an authority to talk about that it also kind of makes me it's kind of the thing that i should hear which is i it's the thing that i feel i should hear is to be more kind of empathetic and and um uh emotionally aware in the kind of things that i do but i'm also thinking you know i don't know is that yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, it's interesting, like your relationship with that, because like, I could see like in past hours of yours, that kind of like touching on it, but then seemingly kind of running away from it mm. and going back and forth. And I think that could, could, well, and this is the first time I've thought about this. It's not something I'm like sitting holding, but just, just because of the mother of cups. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But like, maybe the... Like I think I think that you you would have so much power and impact as someone who really like stood in was silly and stood in their feelings. Like I think mm. that's such a unique thing and something that could be uniquely your own. Because I do think like and I, I'm not saying I'm saying this, but but there is the danger of if you're running towards those things and running away, it could seem like you're ashamed of those things and thus the audience should be as well. Mm. And you might be attracting audience that 
instead of the audience that is sensitive, the audience that makes fun of the sensitive people. I totally get what you mean. And that resonates now even more with me. And no, because I think, I definitely think when, like say the last Edinburgh show that, that I, I, you know, I did, or the Edinburgh show that I did, I, you know, I'd done like an hour before then, but then the Edinburgh show, I was, I, I kind of, I ended up kind of talking about, you know, being the kind of chubby kid, you know, but then I think the nights that it didn't go well was me, where it seemed like I was making fun of that rather mm. than kind of, uh, you know, making fun of it rather than kind of allowing people to know what it was like. And now in retrospect, I find funny about mm. that, you know, about me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think so. I think there's nights when it, the nights that didn't didn't resonate were the nights where I was like, that's and I listen back to it. I'm like, that's that sounds like me. Like totally or either delighted that I'm not that person or not accepting that person or, or, or just not, <laughs> not, not emotionally been able to get that through. Um, and also I think, and even, you know, uh, recently uh, having to do a podcast every week has meant that I've had to like write notes and things that I'm going to talk about. And then a lot of the time I end up talking about things from my, you know, past and, and funny things as well like that, but are genuinely very close personal stories. Um, and, I can't believe it's like half of this podcast has been in quarantine, you know, from me, from me yeah, doing it, yeah. but, but it's, it's also meant that I have uh, 30 episodes, you know, 30 journal entries of basically things to talk about that if fine tuned would make good personal kind of stand up. I actually could be finding my voice in doing so. So that kind of does tie yeah. into that as well, a little bit where it's like, that's more open and honest truths from. Totally. Well, and I know. bet you found that you have not been punished for sharing no, anything. the opposite. The exact yeah. opposite. You know, like when I when I when I did a podcast a million years ago, I was always so worried that, like, whenever I shared something that I had done that I was ashamed of, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna get it now." But like, never, never once, never once in the never. whole life of that, like, I would I would get shit if it seemed like I was being disingenuine. Mm-hmm. Or mm -hmm. if it seemed like I was putting on airs or whatever, but um, which was all very valid criticism, um, which would happen when I would have a guest on that would say kind of insane things. And I would in the mic, like in person, I was like, mm-hmm. But yeah. over mic, it just sounded like I agreed with them. Yeah, the silence um, is, yeah, complicit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, like I think that's that's really that's really exciting. I also think like it's, it's interesting what you were talking about at the beginning, like with your, your reconsidering your quote unquote self-obsession as you now have a family and mm -hmm. what that means. Like I see of getting, um, like let it like exploring different things and seeing what, seeing what happens. And leaving that tap on, you know. Leaving the tap on of my personal brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aaron, that is very stimulating to me. I kind of thought me going into this, you could have said anything. And I would have been like, oh, it's a fucking It's possible. Uh, Aaron, where, what, what would you like to plug and where can we find you? Well, um, you can find me on Instagram at Aaron McGathy. Um, check out Mob Theater Dublin. We have two two new uh, online classes that we are about Whopper. to put up. We've been, yeah, we've, we've done a, 
since quarantine, we started doing these online classes and they've actually been super fun. We did a write a screenplay in six weeks and we did a write a TV pilot in uh, two weeks. And now we're doing another write a TV pilot class uh, over eight weeks. And it's very good fun. Everyone's put on a team. So you have like accountability groups. That's, and Whopper, there's that's a, number one thing. Oh, it's super fun. And like people, there've been so many scripts that came out of it, like 30 full length screenplays and all these TV pilots and stuff. So it's, if you're, if you're, especially if you're looking for a creative community, that's the, that's the benefit. Great. Well, I can't, I cannot plug a higher enough mob. I mean, obviously I'm part of it as well, but I think mob is, is incredible and exactly what Dublin has always been missing and is in my opinion, the best of what they do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you very much. Thank you. So there you have it, right? Look, I'm going to lean into what the final card said about being earnest and I'm not going to let Gary stick the finger in there, stick the elbow in, stick the finger up my arse, stick the elbow in my rib, right? I allow, allow myself to talk about myself. This is my podcast. I had a tarot reading, so I'm going to analyze it after the fact. What do you think of the cards? What would you have thought if you were dealt those cards, right? If you were dealt the thing like having resources and not being uh, accountable or not really saying, not taking ownership, how does that apply in your situation? In my situation, it applied to me doing all the things that I'm doing now. Literally all the same things that I'm doing now. I had a podcast. I was doing stand-up. But I didn't take ownership of the fact that a person who does those things and acts that way would call themselves a comedian. But I didn't call myself a comedian. Jerry Seinfeld said he called himself a comedian literally before he even did his fucking first set. He went up and he bombed. And the reason he went up the second time is because I'm a comedian now. That's what you are. That's what comedians do. Yet, I didn't take ownership of it. All the videos that I was putting out online were done on a, a private Facebook page, my private Facebook page, that only my select few group of friends could see. As soon as I set that up into a public page, within two months, I had the fucking Klongo's video and the Mazmate thing. They could have just been behind a, you know, a firewall of fucking private where you wouldn't have been able to see. So as soon as I actually had to fill out the Facebook thing that said, Tony Cantwell, comedian, Literally, the first time I typed that, things happened after the fact. Success, I, I had more success in accepting that's what I was if I'm a person who does those things and acts that way. That's what a comedian does. Similarly, the first thing that resonated with the middle card was collaboration, collaborating with people. Pretty much every time I've collaborated with something, it's been successful. I have had people get things out of me that I didn't realize I had. Like I did that horror film. My good pal Fergal Costello. Something doesn't feel right. I was a fucking proper slasher killer in this in this flick. Never thought I'd do that. Did that. Some of the, some of my favorite sketches I've ever done have been the collaborations with very talented people. Fucking Niall Cutler. Tell you about fucking Niall Cutler from uh, from Chapside, right? Uh, and Glickbait. Uh, incredible director. Incredible fucking uh, music video director. He directed uh, my Michael Jackson sketch with Ali Fox and bouncing off fucking Ali Fox in that sketch. These are things that I think. They're some of the proudest things that I've done and I've collaborated. And it's not even that I say in I say in the tarot chat that I feel like I'm giving over my jar of fucking whatever it is, muse, right? But it's not the I don't I don't think I, I don't think I do feel that. I think I see I think you just need to collaborate. I think I need to collaborate with the people I feel safest around to get the best out of everyone and for me to get the best out of them. You know? I'm fucking shouting on here. But no I'm not. No I'm not. Because on to the third part. More empathy. You know? Allowing myself to be to allowing my, I'm an emotional guy. I'm a fucking emotional guy, right? 
I'm fucking kissing the head off that boy in there. I'm an emotional guy, right? I'm an emotional guy, right? My whole family's emotional. My dad does not know how to raise a, so- you know, a-, a hard boy. We're all soft boys. We're all emotional, right? Not soft boy, like, you know what I mean? But, um, but we're all emotional. So that's who I am. And that's what, I, what's, what I'm like. Some of my favorite comedians don't show that level of emotion. Some of my favorite comedians, like fucking Tim and Eric wouldn't show that. Limmy wouldn't show that, you know? Um, so, you know, the Viper doesn't show that. So, doesn't show those emotions. So I'm like, oh, well, if I do that, then I'm doing a completely different thing. I'm doing a completely different thing, right? They're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. That's great. And there's room for all of it. And there's room to be open and honest and earnest. And on that topic, I do want to say something. If you've been on social media, most likely Twitter, over the weekend, you know, it's been a very highly emotional place and for fucking good reason in that a lot of people have been coming forward about their experiences of abuse, verbal abuse, manipulative abuse, sexual abuse in some cases in the comedy community. Majority women, not always, um, coming forward. I've had a lot of people in power who are booking gigs taking full advantage of that um and even outside of that just being a general dickhead just being a general fucking proper abuser and i come from a very i can't speak to i had no fucking idea right i mean if you go on twitter now and try and follow most irish comedians they're probably making uh, a statement in solidarity which i think is incredible um you know it is, again, a very highly charged time. And I don't, unfortunately, feel that all the abusers who have acted out will see justice, proper justice, or even be properly named. And that's a very difficult thing as well, is that you have a lot of women coming forward, and men, but primarily women, coming forward, um, and people saying, just name your abuser. And you can't do that here. You're going to pay up to €15,000. You're going to end up in court. And you're going to lose. I know I mentioned the Paddy Jackson thing again. And if you don't fucking like this sort of chat, you can skip ahead. I don't care. But the Paddy Jackson thing. Essentially what that trial revealed was that she was sexually assaulted. But what we consider sexual assault is not what the courts deem sexual assault. So anyone fucking saying that people need to come forward and name names, you're going to get sued. And you're going to lose. Because that's not what constitutes. We need to fucking rewrite what is considered sexual assault. But that's not the main conversation. The main conversation here is that Ireland and a lot of the people who've been pulling the strings in comedy have been abusing that power. And aside from that, it hasn't been a very safe place for a lot of women to work. Uh, I come from a very privileged position of knowing barely fucking any of this until the weekend. You hear rumors. You hear rumors about people fucking being a bit sleazy. You hear that there's lists going around of people who are potential abusers or just creepy guys and women literally have to share this list like like fucking like fucking green book like literally like the fucking green book of safe places to play in ireland like literally trying to find a safe place where you won't be fucking assaulted just so you can get up and tell a few in some cases tell a few truths in some cases, get to the only place you can that you feel as a, as, a, as an artist or as a person where you can actually fucking broadcast this element to yourself. And then you try and do that. Literally, you have a dream. Someone is like, right, well, you better fucking do something you really don't want to do for me. Or you need to fucking at least endure me fucking chatting shite about you and your entire fucking gender while you stay quiet so you can get up and do a spot. 
And also, when you get up there, make sure it's not any of that fucking girly shit. Because whatever. Because whatever. You're fucking, you can't hear about a what? Fucking, you can't hear about a fucking period. You can't hear about a fucking period. You have to fucking get a fucking hazmat suit to get fucking tampons out of a fucking bin. I have already issues with that. That's not even what we're talking about here. Like, if you don't think, like, I'm not, I'm not even fucking going to get into this fucking, you know, women funny shit. Women are hilarious. You know they're hilarious. But I will say that they've had it fucking stacked against them. Stacked against them in the fact that there are crowds that outright refuse because of their sexism to find the same things funny in a woman as they find in a man. To to endear things to a man would do that. I've already fucking said this, you know. I want shit on a log and I put it in the fire. That's not something that's living, you know, following me around for the rest of my life. If I was a woman, I'd be Susie Shitlog. And then if I try to at least own, and then at least I'm fucking bullied for being a woman because I shit on a log and put it in the fire. And then I'm trying to own a drunken mistake and tell a fucking story about it on a comedy night. And all the fucking lads in the crowd can't even fucking laugh at that because all of a sudden that makes me, what, unfuckable? So you couldn't laugh at me because, uh, you know, hot girls aren't supposed to be funny. And you can't laugh at me because you no longer want to fuck me. So that's fucking stacked to begin with is the audience. And then to even fucking get up there in the first place, you have to fucking endure fucking, well, will you fucking do this? Oh, will you give me a lift here? Oh, will you fucking, oh, you know, you're looking really nice today. And all this shit made feel really uncomfortable even to get up on the fucking stage in the first place. So once you've weeded out all the people who really wanted to do it but we're not willing to endure the abuse to the people that are like right this is actually my dream i will go through anything fucking hell just to get up on that stage they get up on stage and the parameters in which society will find it funny just when you're starting out literally it's your first five minutes ever speaking in front of a group of people and the audience are like this better be fucking good this better be fucking good women have to be so much better and fucking god forbid one tries to make a smart joke I said it before in previous episodes, a male open micer comedian can go up and talk about the shit log, they can talk about the first time they were caught having a wank, they can talk about being cocky, they can talk about being gross, they can talk about being fucking rich, they can talk about being fucking clever. Those are not as accepted. Those are not as accepted from a female open micer as they would a male, you know. But the issue, the the primary issue, and the reason that it that people are so angry, you do not get that angry if you have not felt like the situation you've been in, that you've been just sucking it up with and fucking dealing with because you love your dream and you want to get ahead, but you feel fucking desperate. You do not get that angry if you don't feel desperate and people are really angry. And look, hopefully it pushes abusers out. Hopefully it means better representation, actual representation. Hopefully from the fucking base level of getting up on the stage, which for comedians is literally like you cannot test this is it's not like like going up on stage for the first time is like doing a sketch of the thing you're about to draw for the very first time so imagine being denied fucking paper as an artist but also look i come from a very privileged position as well as obviously being a guy you know i also come from a very privileged position of having the facebook videos been able to leapfrog the early bookers that are like, look, I'll do anything to get five minutes on stage. I'll do anything to get 10 minutes on the stage. So I can only speak from my experience. In my experience, I've seen women having to work a lot harder. And I've seen topics work, the exact same topics work for men that don't work for women. That's just in my experience. And also in my experience, what I've seen is younger people changing that. 
younger people, younger lads, coming to gigs and laughing at fucking everything. So hopefully things are changing. And if you're one of those people who's come to the gig, who's come to Cherry Comedy, Whelan's International, you've likely been one of the people who has been laughing at everything. So this doesn't apply to you, okay? I'm just trying to get this out wider. But also, look, that's two. That's the little bell that rings. It says I've drank two glasses of wine and uh, I'm repeating myself and shouting on. So, look, let's talk about fucking Demolition Man, will we? Uh, Demolition Man. Uh, hang on, let me get my notes. Right, here we go. Demolition Man. 1993. I fucking love this flick. And I'll tell you what this flick reminds me of. It reminds me of the boom times. It reminds me of the boom times because it reminds me of Planet Hollywood, this flick, right? I remember Planet Hollywood. You had Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Willis coming to Stevens Green. Are you joking me? To set up a restaurant, Hollywood-themed restaurant, just serving trash, just serving. This was the, the boom times. This was fucking, like, what a time to love America, you know? This was just, it was just so much better back in 2000, before 2001. It really was, you know? Who knew them being attacked would make them the baddies, you know? But that's the way it worked out. Um, this is when I fucking wanted that to be American. This is when I'm, like, watching Airborne. Is it Airborne, the skateboard film? Uh, this is when I'm getting me FX3s. This is when I'm, like, it's my con communion? Yeah, would have been my communion when we went to Planet Hollywood, right? Going to Planet Hollywood, going there, walking in there. That's that's Terminator's jacket. And being like, oh, like not being able to talk, not being able to eat my food because my jaw fucking dropped. And then in the lobby of Planet Hollywood, there was the, the, the model of the naked Stallone as he's cryogenically frozen from Demolition Man. Um, so I love the flick, and I, 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 I could never, I could, still couldn't. I tell, I'll be honest. Rewatching this now. Oh, there's the there's the wine bell. Um, I couldn't. I kind of thought this wasn't. This is like an R-rated movie, right? And, but it's not that bad. They swear, but they get ticketed for it. So that's the kind of joke. There's tits in it very briefly, you know. And I tell you, I love that. I loved. I loved a flash. I loved a... F- you don't see that anymore. You just don't fucking see that anymore. And I miss that. Anyway. Um, I loved a good flash. I told you about that game that used to be in the plex of, like, the anime girls. And when it was, like, bubble bobble. And then when you did, like, they got rid of the bubbles, your one would take off her kit. It was unreal, right? Same time for me. So, um, Demolition Man, 1993. I probably would have seen it in probably 1995, at least, if not 94, definitely would have seen, wouldn't have seen it in the cinema. I would have seen it as soon as it was out on VHS. Just, we watched all the flicks. Um, and so I would have been probably seven or eight, you know. And for the most part, it's fairly innocent stuff. Like, it's fairly, I don't know, look, we'll fucking get into it. Anyway, Demolition Man opens. The Hollywood sign is on fire. It's 1996. From the year that I saw, it was only one year in the future. It's kind of like what's kicking off now, except not nearly as bad uh, and not as... Or anyway, um, so Simon Phoenix has cordoned off part of L.A. and has turned it into some fucking anarchist utopia. This motherfucker is like the Joker, right? This flick is a Batman flick. This is a Batman flick. Literally, like, he is dressed like the Joker. He laughs. He carries knives. He is just chaotic evil. You know, Spartan is chaotic good. He is the demolition man. Anyway, Spartan, John Spartan rocks up, right, in a helicopter. 
um, to get Simon Phoenix. Great name. John Spartan, great name. And this is in the arse end of movies. Like, Die Hard had already come and gone. Die Hard 2 had already come and gone. Like, you're looking now at getting into your everyman. You're, you're kind of scrawnier. Uh, you know, you're Mel Gibson's. You're, you're, you're um, Danny Glover's. Getting too old for this shit. You know what I mean? Shouldn't do the voice, but you know what I mean? So, this, these big fucking beefy boys were kind of on... You had Arnie about to kind of go into a jingle all the way. You had Sly going into a stomp and my mom will shoot, right? So these are the kind of swan songs. So this is just so... It's kind of it's kind of trying to be a commentary, I think, on violence and PC culture and how all those movies are kind of being ushered out of the cinema, I think. But anyway, we'll get into the flick. Simon Phoenix has hijacked a bus with 30 passengers. For some reason, they were driving in the fucking, the annex zone. Um, then you have fucking Stallone. You gotta send the maniac to catch a maniac. That's what he says. Send the maniac to catch one. Jumps, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, it is late. Jumps out of it, jumps out of a chopper. Screams, Phoenix! Shoots a guy from the fucking rope, then shoots another lad, mashes a fellow's face through a window that I'm pretty sure had the word Rocky written on it, kind of being like, hey, this ain't your fucking granddaddy's action movie. My mate Zach calls Rocky an action movie. I will not fucking abide by that shit. Rocky 3, people call that an action movie. I will not abide by that shit. It's a fucking, it's an entertaining sports drama. Right, anyway, um, even though having said that, Die Hard is a Christmas movie and Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. Anyway, sure. Uh, I liked. Uh, so yeah, he jumps down, blah blah blah, blah blah, shoots the guy. Right, yeah. He smashes your man's head in a thing that says Rocky, kind of saying like, yeah, I might be Stallone, but Rocky is a long time ago, a long time ago. New guy here, and I thought it was kind of like how they introduced Trevor in GTA Five, where um, Trevor stomps in Johnny the biker from Lost and Dam's head in, right? And Johnny, arguably. One of the toughest protagonists you've um, played as in a GTA game. And then Trevor comes along being like, yeah, well, guess what? I'm fucking wild. Hardest cunt ever in GTA. Um, I love, I mean, I love all the pageantry of this. I love, I love the big scale. I love the fact that it's a massive building. I love that there's 30 hostages. I love the fact that the Hollywood sign is on fire. I love the fact that Simon Phoenix is there. He is like a knives and martial arts expert. I love his I love his hair. I love his outfit. I love his knife with a fucking skull on the fucking hilt. Like, I love the fact that he stabs. I love that he stabs a big thing at petrol. Like, I'm just loving this. I Wesley's knives is too good for this flick. And he's also fucking too good. No, he's actually not. He's, he's as good as Blade is. I rewatch Blade as well. I might talk about that another day. Blade's fucking class. Um, But Wesley Snipes apparently didn't like his hair. Apparently didn't like his influential hair that Dennis Rodman, as you've seen in um, The Last Dance, uh, started mimicking. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, I feel so bad for him in that he went on this whole thing of like, I'm not paying taxes. No, legally. I remember seeing this on fucking, you know, Dig and all those, you know, early websites of what it went on. I know Dig is still alive, but, you know, early Reddit where it was all like, you know, no, legally, you don't actually have to pay your taxes. The Federal Reserve is actually not having to do with America. You don't actually legally have to pay, you do have to pay your taxes and you will go to prison if you don't pay your taxes. And that's what happened to him. And it's a real shame him and Joe Rogan didn't get a little scrap on. They were meant to have a scrap before he went to prison. Um, 
But he is the best thing. He's the best thing about this flick. And all of his fucking movements are incredible. Apparently he was so good at his actual martial arts that they had to ask him to slow down. Right? This is an actor actually doing his stunts. This is pre-Matrix. This is like fucking seven years before the Matrix. And he is so good. I love him just this fucking chaotic bad. It's so good. Anyway, sure. Um, So he's dressed crazy. That sort of implies that he is crazy. Um, And yeah, they seem equally matched. This is the whole thing. They are foes, which I like. And I love the fact that they were all over you know, the merch. It was like snipes staring down Stallone dig it right it is a kind of batman thing it's kind of like this chaotic good chaotic evil kind of vibe i wouldn't call spartan a batman but like you know and also i thought all of this just looks like a batman flick i kept saying that to terry this looks like a batman flick and then i read this was co-written by the chap who wrote batman returns and actually scored by the chap who did batman forever so so there terry i said to my wife Anyway, building goes up and I was like, fucking wow, that actually looks incredible. Because what happened with Simon Phoenix is he fucking stabbed the thing. Petrol starts spilling out. Stallone's like, oh, what are you doing, man? You just want to do that, right? And he flicks a cigarette at it, right? Which, it was proven in Mythbusters, will not ignite a flame. So, people fucking, don't use your mobile beside the petrol. You know, don't even fucking don't even worry about that. Um, the explosion is impressive. It's one of the good practical effects in this. There's a later practical effect with a bit of a, with a fire. It looks like fucking dog shit. Boo! Looks like shit. And um, this looks pretty good. Um, also, just like I did that, I did that kind of Leo point to the screen thing. You know, the kind of once upon a time in, in America, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. You know, point in the screen thing when uh, his chief says to Stallone, "I've had it with this demolition man shit." I started pointing at the. Start pointing at the telly to Terry. Look, they said it. Um, it is revealed Simon Phoenix actually in the building had the 30 passengers. He had told Stallone, John Spartan, the passengers weren't there. He lied. The whole building goes up. And Simon Phoenix seems to willingly give over. He seems to want to get caught. Uh, and John Spartan, for negligence, for not finding them at the right time, uh gets done as well and one of the cops says you got a lawyer up no he says if you got a lawyer you better call him and i said to terry that was topical as well i said terry the most unrealistic thing about this film is the fact that an lapd cop is held accountable for his action and she laughed um so he's cryogenically frozen for 50 years to atone for his crimes which comes out of nowhere which comes out of fucking nowhere i mean i know this whole flick is based on the future and everything like that. But it's kind of like, all right, this is kind of crazy. LA, it's crazy, 1996. Oh, you're going to put you away for 50 years. What? There is no kind of like early future vibe on this. This is just a gritty 90s action film. And then it's like, we're going to freeze you for 50 years. What? Freeze for 50 years, we meet Lieutenant Huxley. Aptly named because of this, the inspiration of this, apparently from uh, Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World. Um, which I've never read. Um, so this is the SAPD, the San Antonio, I think, San and San Angeles Police Department. So she's keen to do work, and Sandra Bullock is is cool in this. She's pretty. She's pretty, um, and she's very endearing with this whole kind of like, I'm really, I really love the 90s, I love the 20th century, as if it's like fucking 2,000 years ago or fucking 100 years ago. She's just mad at that, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? But I do want to say, 
Sandra Bullock, whoever did your eyebrows, I have a word. I have a word. They need to be frozen for 50 years. Okay. Anyway, the car looks cool. Apparently, this is some kind of fucking, um, I read on IMDb, this is like a kind of uh, test model of whatever make a car this is. Um, and they made a load of fake ones made out of fiberglass to put on like regular golf carts. Rob Schneider is in this and he delivers a quality gag, right? He answers the phone as a cop. Rob Schneider, right? And it says, to get an automated response, press one now. But, but you are, no. here's a little tip for you, right? If you're recalling up a thing, it works 20% of the time. Um, if you're calling a thing and it's going to be automated and it's like, yeah. If, if you would like to learn more, go online. Like, don't fucking tell me to get out of here. I just fucking showed up. It's like fucking wa- rocking into McDonald's and being like, if you want to get a burger, you can get, I want a burger here, right? Don't fucking tell me where to go. It's not like that. I just couldn't think of that. Uh, here's a little tip for you. Bash keys violently and some, <laughs> like a madman. If it's like, if you need to speak, press one now. Just bash zero loads, right? Because it's for people who are like, all right, this person clearly doesn't know how to use a phone and is an idiot. We need to put them through to a human being. Otherwise, we might get in trouble. So I do that all the time. Like, do, 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 hitting, hitting zero. Um, not have a go. Some people don't know how to use a phone. But you know what I mean? Like, it's for people. Yeah, no, I'm fucking, you know what I mean? Um, so, um, so there is, oh, yeah. So Sandra Bullock uh, gets a violation for calling her boss an asshole. And he is an asshole. He looks like an asshole. He looks, hey, we're really uptight here. He's bald. Uh, he's got cool glasses, though. In her office, she's got Red Hot Chili Peppers poster, Lethal Weapon, merch. Um, she seems to be obsessed with uh, the 20th century. This is a utopia, but somehow Lieutenant Huxley is bored. Simon Phoenix um, is up for parole before the guy who tried to stop him from blowing up 30 people. And not only that, he's got a fucking, he got, this chap should have, got, should have got the fucking death sentence. Like, think about how fucking expensive this is to keep this guy on ice, right? And all the charges and stuff, he's got like fucking murder, he's got rape, he's got torture, as well as blowing up 30 people. Anyway, he escapes, and it's it's revealed that he can now speak Spanish, and he can fight better than he could before. Iconic shot here, where he takes the eye, he takes the eye out of the guy with a, a, a fountain pen, so that he can do the kind of scan thing, and he kind of like shows it, and I was like, oh my god, that's one of the kind of R-rated moments in this, but also like, it's an eye, do you know what I mean? You could see that in like a horrible histories. There isn't much in this that needs to be R-rated, it's almost like, how do we how do we push the envelope, you know? Um, he gets an MDK, a murder-death-kill, which in this is a, a, a code 187, which I know what a 187 is, and I knew at the time what a 187 was, as, as did my brother. It's a fucking homicide. A 187 on the undercover cop. Snoop Dogg, baby. It's the 187. 11811 on the undercover cop. Um... So we were like, oh, we know what that is. Uh, 187, uh, my brother probably, yeah, 187 is when uh, it's a homicide, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, I love, um, yeah, the computer effects here, when they kind of log on to a computer, looks like Batman Forever. It all looks like Batman Forever. I really should have been watching Batman Forever. It is my favorite Batman film, and I don't fucking say that lightly. Batman Forever is my favorite Batman film. If you were to say any flick, and I love a lot of flicks. If you were to like, will we play, will we watch Batman Forever or Groundhog Day? I'd be like, Batman Forever. Will we watch fucking um, Godfather or Batman Forever? I'd say Batman Forever. Like, if you offer me any flick or Batman Forever, I'm going to say Batman Forever. Right? It's my favorite Batman flick. And I wouldn't say that about The Dark Knight. Do you want to watch The Dark Knight or Batman Forever? I'd be like, look, just fucking put on Batman Forever. 
It makes me feel happy. It makes me fucking so happy to see it and how fucking god-awful it is and the worst Batman. You know Joel Schumacher, R.I.P. Actually, R.I.P. today, um, as of recording this, um, to find the next Batman after he had had Michael Keaton, right? Took out Variety magazine, started coloring, coloring in people's faces up to the, up from the nose up uh, to see who had a good chin. He coloured in Val Kilmer. He's like, that's the Batman. That's Batman. Um, so Phoenix is jacking everyone off. He's killing everyone. And they're getting fucking 187 notifications like it's a fucking house party app. Yeah, Simon Phoenix is in the house. And he's fucking snatching your people up. Um, also, this is like such light kind of Verhoeven with the level of violence. And also just the kind of the RoboCop stuff. Like... This guy, the director, what's his name? Hang on, talk amongst yourselves there for a second. The director of this flick, uh, Demolition Man, um, Marco Brambilla, did nothing else. Did nothing else after this. Anyway, sure. Um, yeah, it's very light, Paul Verhoeven. It's very Robocop, you know, that kind of, would you like to know more? Future from um, from Starship Troopers. Um, so Phoenix has become an elite hacker. All of a sudden, he just knows, blah, 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 doesn't even know how he's doing it. Cops are showing up and they're following fucking Game Boy instructions because these guys are so out of the loop. Everything has been fucking outlawed. There is no violence. They have not had to. They have not had to arrest a perp in since 2010. So like 27 years or whatever it is, or 26 years, they have not had to arrest someone. So they get a bit of gags out of this, you know. It gets it. To be honest, I did do a chuckle where he keeps swearing at the thing and you know. So he rock, basically Simon Phoenix rocks up at this thing and some like fucking losers getting uh, advice from a machine being like, you you look great today or whatever, you know, be well and all this shit, right? And Simon Phoenix rocks up and he's trying to like, like hack into the computer. He starts swearing, like, fuck you. And he keeps getting all these like fine for swearing. I think it's funny. Anyway, the cops show up and he smashes in those cooks, those softies, and we enjoy it. The narrative is we find it funny that this extremely violent rapist um, as well as genocidal, to the level of genocidal murder, um, is uh, kicking people's head in. And we know we're supposed to have fun with it because it's playing some kind of light uh, fucking New Jack swing under when he does all this. And it's like record scratches, you know, and he's smashing fucking everyone's head in. Um, then, um, then he gets uh, a little fucking electric baton, sticks it in a car, car blows up, somehow blows up the whole block and their surveillance. Simon Phoenix has evaded the police. They don't know what to do. Um, the obvious baddie, obviously this guy's the baddie. This guy's the baddie. This guy is an unlikable, rich, powerful person who runs the whole thing. Baddie, obviously the baddie. Uh, he is having a chat with a lot of very similar elite people about how great everything is. Uh, a nice little gag here where he's kind of chatting to like iPads and they all turn to face him like they're there, which I think is fun. And actually better than Zoom, you know. Um, and then this other lad, Glenn Shaddix, the guy from fucking Beetlejuice, he's here as well. It's kind of like Ross Matthews guy, but in all the Japanese gear, the hilarious Ross Matthews. Anyway, um, then they're like, all right, we need, we need a fucking madman to catch a madman. What madman do we know? The helicopter pilot, who has aged now into an older man, says, oh, well, I used to know a guy called John Spartan. And then they're like, what? And then it shows clips of John Spartan in various situations, Demolition Man style. He's there. He's carrying some fucking girl, some little um, young girl out of like a, a hostage situation. And a news reporter goes up to him and is like, how can you justify uh, destroying a $7 million mini mall just to save one girl whose ransom was only $25,000? You know, I love all these practical effects. And then uh, the girls are like, you know, fuck, fuck you, lady. And it's unreal. Um, like this is fucking 12 years from now 
All this happens 12 years from now. Anyway, they thaw Spartan, and it reveals Spartan's wife is dead. And his daughter uh, is also potentially dead. He seems a little disappointed, but doesn't last very long. It doesn't last very long because he realizes when he, can, he can't get a Marlboro. He can't get a sweet, sweet Marlboro, which I haven't heard advertised uh, since this flick. Um, but apparently everything's been outlawed. Sandra Bullock reveals everything. She's like, everything's been outlawed. And it's bad for you. Caffeine, alcohol, chocolate, abortion, anything spicy, pregnancy, swearing, right? So they're fucking, you know, they're really letting us have it. They're like, state is. State of, you know, well, no, they're kind of like, the movie is letting us have it be like, hey, if we fucking let these fucking crew get in, then it's, it's going to be no crack, you know? I mean, yeah, it looks like fucking utopia and everyone's healthy and there's no violence, but hey, fucking no alcohol, you know? Then we get it, we finally get the three seashells, a quality gag. They're slagging them. They're like, oh yeah, the in the 20th century, they used to take wadded up uh, bits of paper to wipe their arse, and they're like, Vroom. now apparently Stallone says to use the three seashells, you have to take two of the seashells uh, to s- kind of make a kind of claw. You pull the poo out, and then you scrape with the final seashell. That's kind of what I viewed as well. So, um, Also, Sandra Bullock makes a funny joke, uh, because... Uh, Stallone meets the old helicopter pilot and they're like, hey, we do, hey, blah, 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 blah. and then Sandra Bullock is like, oh, look, this is just how insecure heterosexual males uh, express fondness in the 20th century. Good, uh, good gag. Um, so Stallone is testing the fucking waters with a swear machine. He's really letting it have it. And he says one thing, he was like, yeah, why don't you shove a leash up my ass? This guy doesn't know how leashes work. And he fucking should. Neck on him. Anyway, there's a radio station that just plays commercials. Uh, if that was my charts and it was just commercials, I'd want to hear uh, Toys R Us. I think it's my favorite. You know, there's millions of Jeffrey all under one roof. It's called Toys R Us, Toys R Us, Toys R Us. Love Toys R Us. You know, there's a magical place with toys and a million all under one roof. It's called Toys R Us. How's it going? You know, um, also, I love um, pennies. Got a whole lot of things for Christmas. Da 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 family. And uh, crispy and tasty food at Supermax. Those would be my top three. Anyway, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, I know Phoenix is definitely going to get a gun. Where is it? He's definitely going to get a gun. That's all I know about Phoenix. This guy needs a gun. John Spartan, at your service. I'm here to stop Phoenix. He's there with um, Sandra Bullock and her little mate. And he's like, I gotta get a gun. The guy's like, well, the only place to get a gun is the gun museum, but there's no fucking way to go to the fucking gun museum, right? And then um, he fleeces the armory, armory, uh, and then Phoenix says, yeah, I'll take this one, Rambo. Don't do that. I don't like that shit. Don't be bringing up Rambo. Rambo's in this flick. You're confusing me now. I don't like that. This is fucking the same level as a Julia Roberts cameo in Ocean's 12 where she pretends to be Julia Roberts. Get that shit out. Don't be messing with the fort wall. I have to imagine this is a completely different world. Don't talk about my world. Don't talk about Schwarzenegger being in the fucking White House, right? Tommy Pickles in the fucking Playhouse. Don't be telling me about that shit, right? Just, that doesn't sit with me at all when they break the fort wall. Anyway, I remember my mate used to have the fucking game for this on the SNES. And I remember fucking playing with toys for this. Like, what was it about just the action figure boom of the 90s where they just knew we were watching these flicks? Like... I, could you imagine like a fucking 11 year old watching Hereditary or something like that? Or like the the R-rated movies now are not like, give me the fucking dirty action. Do you know what I mean? Like, give me the titties. Where are the titties gone? Do you know what I mean? I shouldn't be fucking. Do you know what I mean? I'm fucking giving that. Ah, look, 
I, do, I don't mean that, but you know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to see you objectifying anyone. Do you know what I mean? But give me the sex. Actually, it is completely objectified. Yeah, whatever. I can do I can. I can do without it. I can do without it. I know where to find it. Anyway, uh, my mates had this fucking game for the SNES. And I remember it was pretty good. I remember it was... Uh, the. It was kind of... Fucking... It keeps reminding me. I've drank two glasses of wine. Get over it, right? Um, it was kind of like a, a, a platformer. And then part of it was kind of like a top-down kind of shooter, like the original GTA. And I remember that part when you're in the kind of gun museum and you're like going and picking up guns. I remember it was a pretty good game. Um, anyway, Phoenix is far more versed in the martial arts than Spartan, and it shows. He likes milk and it shows. Um, he, uh, Spartan full-on swings a TV uh, like a flail. And do you know what he says? He says, hey, Simon, you're on TV. Like, why are we supposed to like this guy? We're like, he's almost getting the kind of... You know, the villain edit, you know, it is Flick. Because Phoenix was, like, bashing up cops and we were loving him. And Phoenix uh, gets electrocuted but shakes it off with a kind of... Which I thought was funny, like a cartoon. Anyway, apparently Dr. Cocteau invented this whole country. He invented the whole basis of what's been fucking going on with this new thing. Phoenix tries to kill him. And it's revealed, obviously, that the villain, who was obviously the villain, um, has set Phoenix loose. And he's responsible for Phoenix being on the loose. They do the President President Schwarzenegger gag, which also, like this fucking, you can't kill the guy. You know, he finds a way around it. Anyway, not to spoil it. President Schwarzenegger, and they really go into the detail here. Well, you know, he changed the law to make sure you... Um, now, I hate it when they go into the fucking old L.A. in the basement, right? I don't like that. Show me the, show me the up top. I don't want to see the downstairs. I remember watching this flick and being like, now it's getting boring. Now it's getting fucking boring. Um... Anyway, apparently all the restaurants are Taco Bell. I think that's a funny spin, you know? Uh, they go into Taco Bell. It's kind of like a fancy restaurant. Oh, yeah, so so uh, your man Cocteau acts as if Spartan has saved him from Simon Phoenix, right? And he's like, I must, you must join with us tonight, you know? Kind of they're giving him the old Cal uh, Jack Dawson treatment. You must join us for dinner tonight, you know? You fucking Neanderthal. Show you what a real fucking restaurant looks like. And they bring him to Taco Bell. Apparently Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the chain wars of the early knots and so all restaurants at taco bell fun they had to change it for pizza hut uh here in the british isles because we don't have taco bell and we fucking should and it'd be cheap as fuck we love tacos give me taco bell um they walk in there's a guy singing jolly green giant on the piano and tell you this spartan guy's a real fucking fish out of water right um and he, he reveals here that he was conscious for 36 years he said my fucking wife Banging on the ice, seeing my daughter fucking whatever, you know. And Cocktail's like, oh no, oh I don't like that. Anyway, the John Spartan gets a weird hunch because there's a guy dressed in Mad Max gear on a fucking dirt bike out on the grass, right? Because um, these lads downstairs keep trying to vandalize. That's pretty much it. And so Cocktail wants this, him jacked, wants Dennis Leary jacked. Um... And then, uh, so Mad Max uh, lands out of the ground, come up and they attack. John Spartan's fighting them off. And he goes, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. Both seconds of it. Love the lines. They seem out of place in this flick. It really does feel like a swan song for this type of action flick. Cocteau comes, Cocteau, Cocteau comes home. And Phoenix is in the gaff. And he's like, lights, right? And then it's revealed that fucking Phoenix can do loads of shit better than he actually could. It's actually good, you know. It, 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 well, it's actually not. To be fair, it's not. It's fucking shite crack. Like, you know, 
it's just like it's like I was saying about fucking Obi Wan in the prequels. Fucking you have the best character running around doing nothing, talking to no one. Um, and also like he swears, he keeps swearing everywhere he goes. Obviously they're listening, but can't locate him for some reason. If he fucking swears anywhere, you know, see who's getting all the swears. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, um, Phoenix says I need my men to be thawed. If you want me to kill Dennis Leary in the basement for no reason for a guy who's invisible. Who barely even fucking makes a presence, his presence known in San Angeles, but whatever he does it. Anyway, uh, after the meal, Lieutenant Huxley asks John Spartan if they can have sex, which seems really out of character for her, who's, you know, quite kind of, you know, reserved, but he's like, uh, fucking yeah, like my wife just fucking died, but uh, yeah. Um, whips out these headsets, and, you know, it basically just sees fucking Huxley and him riding at a rave. It still seems like unreal crack, but Spartan. Spartan is not is not feeling it. Spartan's like, no, I want to put the P in the V. I want to put the P in the V. You know, um, like I would have fucking loved it. I'm like, this is great crack. Like you're right over there. I'm over there. This is fucking kinky AF. But like, we're not even like we're like watching porn together. Like that's you and that's me. We're kind of watching porn of ourselves. It's fucking unreal. And I look class up there. I'm assuming. Stallone yet again laying it on thick. Like I, I mentioned this in Rocky. He's leaning into Adrian quite a lot, being, hey, you know, give me a kiss, you don't leave, you know. Um, but in this, like, in a, wor- in a world where they don't exchange fluids, where sex is banned, he's really laying it on thick. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like he wants to do fucking, in, in this world, sex is gross for her and really, I imagine, quite scary. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, my world fucking shit. Anyway, so he's laying it on thick um, and um, he's leaning in. Like, a fluid transfer is illegal, and he's leaning in for a big kiss. And I'm like, whoa, fucking, you want to fucking... And I remember, you know, and then whatever, she's like, get out of here. I don't fucking see you. He goes back to his gaff, turns on the TV, a bit of casual baps. Casual tits, great thing. Great thing, right? Um, I remember just seeing casual tits, you know, be watching a fucking flick. Hopefully your parents won't be there. Casual tits pop up on the screen, and your fucking Roman column of fucking concrete. You know what I mean? Like, Durp! Better fucking put the old couch... Pillows on top of me. What are you doing? I'm just pretending to be a chair. I'm not. I'm hiding a massive fucking boner, right? Um, I told you about the fucking game with the fucking bubble bubble game, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, honestly, we'd be in the corner, fucking cane and twenty twenty peas into this fucking thing to try and see these bubble bubble tits. Anyway, the amount of effort, honestly, going into seeing jabs back then, um, and now I've got a lovely wife. You know what I mean? Lucky me, lucky me, um. This fucking feels like... You know, even if we fucking saying this... Look, I'm saying this with fucking... Do you know what I mean? It's all a fucking safe place here. It's something to do with what I was talking about earlier. You know, I just got to check myself sometimes. Anyway. Uh, turns out Spartan was rehabilitated, but he was given shit stuff. He was given sewing, which I think is class. Uh, knitting uh, and all this stuff, which I think is class. And a load of all this other shit. Phoenix was given martial arts um, and all these various techniques. So then they're like, all right, we figured out they're after this guy. They're after Dennis Leary or blah, 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 blah. It's getting pretty boring at this point. I'm trying to stay interested. They go down to the basement. And fucking a Peruvian caricature of a person gives uh, Stallone a rat burger. Spread a rat burger, you know. Um, and you know what? I mean, dep- you know, he eats it. He's like, yeah, it seems good. You know, it's pretty good. Um, and depending on where the rat grew up, I'd fucking eat it. I'd eat anything farmed. Do you know what I mean? We shouldn't be eating pigs, to be perfectly honest. They're really smart, you know. Um, we should be eating squirrels and pigeons. You know, pigeons should take pigs' uh, place. Anyway, 
Dennis Leary, I remember him being fucking huge. One of the first comedians I was introduced to. I remember my dad listening to his tapes in the car. The whole, like, you know, I'm gonna, we should be able to fucking smoke. We should be able to fucking, you know, they say it takes 10 years off your fucking life. And that's not a fucking voice. Anyway, he stole all the jokes from Bill Hicks. I realized that when I was like, I'm an asshole, ole, 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 ole. Loved all that stuff, right? Remember my babysitter, my cousin, he used to sing that for me. Uh, my, my, my cousin Darren used to sing Asshole and my cousin Tony. Um, and I'd be like, oh my God, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, because I actually hadn't heard, I hadn't seen proper TV, you know, and you're like, you hear people say stuff, it was unreal. Anyway, Dennis Leary just fucking apparently ad-libs loads of his dialogue and just uses his set here. So it's basically revealed that they're not like an ostracized group down here. They're not like on the periphery. They're not slumming. They basically want to live freely. They want to be able to swear. They want to be able to do what they want to do. They're libertarians, essentially. Um, But he's doing his whole fucking Bill Hicks routine here, you know, and, you know, it's fun. Then we have goodies versus baddies. Jesse Venturia Venturia comes out uh, with a cameo. Doesn't fucking speak. Does fuck all. Total wasted opportunity here. Um, and I just wrote here, how the mighty have fallen. Um, yeah, so the music here is just pure Batman forever. This is Elliot Goldenthal. Um, and yeah, this is where I found out that Daniel Waters wrote Batman Returns. Apparently this flick has had a bit of a resurgence amid coronavirus. And people are saying that it actually mimics real life now a lot more than it used to I don't fucking buy that I don't buy that for a second but I also read in the article that they're making Demolition Man 2 which I'll fucking lap that shit up um they so he gets these pantomime villains who do all this fucking rehearsed martial arts like you know when like you know you have these fucking stuntmen who have no acting lines and they're like huh, and they have that stance that shows I am so ready to either take a punch or do a punch like I'm jumping on both feet here so I can do a backflip out of nowhere um Yada, 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 yada. They go back to the cryo prison, right? Phoenix has then decided he's going to release all the prisoners. He 187s, homicides, all the guards. Spartan decides he's going to go. He gets dressed up as fucking Guile from Street Fighter, right? Shocks his bird, right? And comes in for the final conflict, which is fairly cookie cutter. Not that interesting. The scent is a bit interesting. Gets the claw treatment. The big the claw thing lifts him up. He's hanging from it. You know, it's kind of cold, you know, uh, or not kind of cold, kind of cool, rather. Uh... And they're having a bit of a scrap there. Then they have that whole reprise of that whole fucking thing, which I didn't say before. Before Simon Phoenix had thrown the cigarette into the petrol, he said, uh, cold in here is just me. Stallone says that, except actually freezes him. A song of ice and fire kicks the man's fucking head off. Um, Jesus, I got to the end too quick there. I kind of ran out of steam. Look, overall, I like this flick, right? I like the flick. I think it's funny. Right, I think Stallone is so not funny. He does not have good timing. I feel like I don't know if Schwarzenegger does either, but I think Schwarzenegger has way better writers, and Schwarzenegger knows his comfort level. He can play naive very well. He can play stressed very well. You know, he plays cool very well. He plays it all very well. And you know, he's got way better flicks. Do you know what I mean? I mean, look, you got to give it to Stallone for First Blood and Rocky. Right? Maybe. And this. You know? Those would be my top three for Stallone. Okay? He's got a lot of kind of filler. Um, over the top, maybe as well. But, I mean, Schwarzenegger's got, you know. Well, actually, hang on. Well, no, I mean, when you get a fucking Total Recall, Running Man, Predator, Terminators. He's got all the flicks, right? Um... But, yeah, 
Stallone clangers abound um, in this flick. Oh, and sorry. So it ends anyway. Yeah, the it ends uh, and the whole thing fucking blows up. It looks shit. Terrible effect. Uh, Spartan comes out, kisses the bird. He's like, meet somewhere in the middle. I guess we got to meet somewhere in the middle. It can't be too dangerous like it was. But it can't be like this anymore. I guess the world's going to change because Cocktail's dead. Maybe I'll be president. Anyway. But I love the flick. And you know what? I give it a whopping five stars. I dig this flick. Loved it growing up. Loved, you know, the excitement of it all. I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool the way they had sex with the headset. Right? Five stars. Um. um so look, if you <laughs> like that, oof, long one. Long one, guys, and this is, I'm here literally at like about five, six hours before I post this uh, online, so I'm going to get some sleep. But I will say this, uh, thank you very much for listening to this. Thank you very much, everyone who shares things like that. If you do like it, please do give it a share. I'd love more people to hear me talk for an hour and 45 minutes about me getting a tarot reading, uh, my stance on abuse, even though I can only speak from experience and a significant place of privilege. I can fucking talk about it. That's Gary speaking. I can attest to that. Fucking whatever. Uh, as well as then giving a review uh, of Demolition Man uh, shortly after that. If you want to hear more stuff like that, of course, there's over there's 21 episodes of Patreon exclusive that you can listen to as well. I put a podcast out every single um every single week as well as a movie podcast once a month where i've covered the entire star wars trilogy i've i've also had podcasts on wrestlemania i've done my favorite emo songs of all time retro toys rupaul i talk about it all over there uh, and you can check it out it's just equivalent of a pint a month if you were willing cheaper than a pint you can't get a pint for a fiver anymore so if that seems like you're back go check it out over the patreon you can give it a fucking give it a rough trial you don't have to pay for it until the start of the month you can give it a bit of a rough trial see how you feel if it's your bag, keep following. If not, stop and then jump on if something else you like. Sure fucking why not. Um, but people who are supporting, thank you very much. Really do appreciate it. It's honestly been honestly been life-changing for me to be able just to fucking make. As I said to Aaron on this, having the Patreon has really changed my perspective of what it is to make stuff. And once the quarantine lifts, once I can get back in the studio, I really fucking aim to be going hard and making. Just making. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, so as I said if you're on the Patreon I'll see you on Friday if not I'll see you right here next Tuesday all the best this only girl will shit show.